0: Good morning. There we go. All right. We are getting close to the end of our study in the book of Daniel. It's been a great study. I have really enjoyed it and preparing the sermons. Today we get to look at one of the greatest prophecies recorded in Scripture. Don't get to do this all the time, but we get to do it today. And I have seen pastors, this is only four verses, but I've seen pastors preach three Sometimes five sermons on this. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to give you the main things that come out of this. I'm going to try to break it down in a way that's simple. And we're just going to spend one day, we're going to talk about this prophecy. So I titled this The Last Kingdom of Man because that's where we're going to land. When we get to the end, we're going to be talking about the very last Gentile kingdom before Christ comes back and inaugurates his own kingdom on earth. Now, with that, let me go ahead and read to you the passage we're going to study. It's in Daniel chapter 9. We're going to start in verse 24. And if you recall, when we were preaching the text of Scripture before this, Daniel was praying in earnest, and an angel came and gave him uh, the answer to his prayers. And this now, we didn't look at it back then, but today we're going to look at the answer that uh, uh, God sent through Gabriel to him. So verse 24 Uh, Gabriel says to Daniel, 70 weeks are determined for your people and for your holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. "...know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there shall be seven weeks and sixty-two weeks. The street shall be built again and the wall, even in troublesome times. And after the sixty-two weeks, Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself." And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary the end of it shall be with a flood until the end of the war desolations are determined then he shall confirm a covenant with the many for one week but in the middle of the week he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering and on the wing of abominations shall be one who makes desolate even until the consummation which is determined is poured out on the desolate Heavenly Father I just pray that today as we look at this what can be a complicated prophecy that you just help us to see the big points of it to understand how it fits into uh, not only the history of what you're doing but our study in Daniel and what it means to us and our personal lives we lift this up in Christ's name amen now what I've done is I've broken this into four parts and I tried to to pick out ways to explain it to you that are easy. And the first is this, is that a timeline is being given. Right out of the gate, when Gabriel's speaking to him, he says, 70 weeks are determined. And so weeks are a an amount of time. And he says there's 70 of them. So he is talking about a timeline. 70 weeks. Now, um, I... To explain this, the timeline, how long is it? You say, well, he says 70 weeks. Well, actually, <laughs> he is not talking about weeks of days. Um, the word here in Hebrew for week is a unit of seven. Now, out of that, in our modern day, we use the word week to, as our word for a unit of seven days. But in Daniel's prophecy, it's important that you to get this, it's a unit of seven years so it's 70 weeks and they're weeks of years not days so what you can do is you can just do the math 70 times 7 and you get 490 years so what he's saying to daniel is it's been determined for your people your city 490 years now i'll i'll uh, weave in later in the message about how some of these things were figured out you can go to other parts in scripture and it talks about prophetic years and these things. And that's why some pastors spend a lot of time. I, I'm not gonna to, to break all that down. It might feel a little bit like a math class, but I'm telling you it's 490 years. He's saying to Daniel that is the timeline. How long, right? And then not only how long, but it's for who? Because a lot of Daniel's visions and the dreams that he have have had specific application to Gentile kingdoms now Gentile means not Jewish in in scripture you have the Jews which are God 's people and whenever it's talking about people who are not Jews he they, they use the word Gentile so Gentile could be a, a lot of different uh, ethnicities but it's specifically not Jewish so we have seen him talk about all the great Gentile kingdoms that were going to succeed each other this is for the jews he is now talking about god's plan for his people the jews so you've got 490 years it's for your your people daniel the jews and your holy city jerusalem that's how long that's who it's for and it's for what what is going to happen at the end of the 490 years and he gives him six specific things just to to uh, look at that again Uh, Well, I'll walk through them, but I made another slide to show you what these six different things are. Um, The first is, he says, at the end of the the 490 years, you're going to finish the transgression. Now, this means that God will bring an end to sin among the Jewish people when Christ returns. Now, what I've done on these slides is I've added some other scripture just to show you that other prophets of Israel also talked about these specific things, but you're seeing them kind of culminate together in this one prophecy. In this example of of finishing the transgression, the prophet Zechariah said, "'I will pour upon the house of David "'and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem "'the spirit of grace and of supplications. "'In that day a fountain opened for the house of David "'and for the inhabitants of Jerusalem "'for sin and for uncleanness.'" And that's the first thing that will happen at the end of the 490 years. Secondly, he says to make an end of sins. Now this has a uh, application towards when Christ reigns as a king on this earth, you go to revelation chapter 20 and you see Christ reigning for a thousand years on the throne. And in that he will fulfill promises that were made to God's people in the old Testament. But when he rules during this time, he's gonna bound Satan. The, the revelation talks about how they take Satan and they bind him and he's and he's kept away so that he cannot sow seeds of sin and distrust and rebellion against God. That that will not exist. And in this way, what Gabriel's saying to Daniel is you're gonna finish transgression. There will not be sin among the Jewish people, but also uh, as Ezekiel described it. This way, they shall not defile themselves any more with their idols, nor with their detestable things, nor with any of their transgressions. But I will deliver them from all their dwelling places in which they have sinned and will cleanse them. They, then they will they shall be my people, and I will be their God. And that has reference to the fact that So much of the history of Israel, they rebelled. They rejected him. They took on other gods and served other gods. And he's pointing forward. At the end of these 499 years, I'm going to take away sin. They'll be clean and they will be my people and I will be their God. He says, thirdly, to make reconciliation for iniquity. And in this, it's talking about how uh, Christ accomplished this with God at the cross, but... Israel as a nation rejected this. And when Christ returns, the nation's going to be reconciled to God. So yes, the work was done, but it's not applied to them right now because they've rejected it. As a nation, they do not see and um, put their faith in what Christ did. But he's saying at the end of these 499 years, it'll be applied. Reconciliation uh, for their sins will be applied. And he goes on to say, to bring in everlasting righteousness. Now, some of the, uh, there's quite a few different prophets that talk about this. And I explain this when I'm talking to people about, even today, if you become a Christian and you become part of God's church, yes, your sins are taken away. I'm a sinner and I have, like, stains, right, In in the sense of, trying to stand before God, but when Christ died on the cross, he washed that away, and then a lot of times we have this, this mindset that now I'm, I'm, it's like I put a dirty, dirty clothes in the laundry, it got washed, it came out, I got the same garment, and it's clean, now it's clean, but what the Bible says is when God looks at us, he doesn't see our clean shirt, he sees what Christ did. Christ came and lived on this earth, and he did it perfectly he never broke any of god's law and that is the standard and when god looks at us the way the new testament describes it it's like we're putting on a white robe and the white robe is what jesus did what did he do he lived without breaking god's laws perfect and It's applied to us. We get, so we're not left neutral where we we were in the negative because of the, the sin and it was cleaned. No, no, we're also given the righteousness of what Christ did. And that's gonna be applied to Israel. And it will be everlasting. To seal up vision and prophecy, no more prophetic words concerning the Jews will be uttered after Christ returns. It doesn't need that anymore. And lastly, he says... To anoint the most holy. And this has reference to that millennial kingdom where Christ is reigning. Um, the, the holy of holies is in the temple. So it's saying that that they're in that that holy of holies in the temple. It's going to be anointed and it's consecrated for worship during that reign of Christ. So just this is important. These six things are important because they are going to be a metric that later in the message I'm gonna to say to you, have those things happened? Because if they haven't, then the 490 years are not up. Because Gabriel told Daniel when the 499 year, or 490 years are up, these six things are gonna happen. And so it's a way to measure. So this is what we have. A timeline is given. 490 years for who? For, for God's people, the Jews, and There are six things that are gonna happen. That's why he's giving us this. Now part two is you need to know the start and stop events of this 490 years. So right now my 11 year old daughter is uh, in cross country at harvest and we go over and we watch the races. They're on Friday. Some of the other kids in this church, Becca, she's one of the best runners right there on the harvest team. And we go and we watch them and we cheer for them. But here's, there's a definite point when the race starts. A lot of times I'm way over here. I don't hear it. There's not like a gun that goes off. I don't know. What is there a gun? No. It, what, it's just this. They drop a hand. Okay. But there's a definite starting point where the, they go like this with the clicker. Click and the race is on now alex because you know he's a proud dad for his daughter running he's he's right there with his watch as soon as it goes click so i can always go up to him and ask him what time are we at and i know when my daughter crosses the line what was her time my whole point is they time it this is timed but it's not going up it's going down 490 years are going to count down and when we get to the end it's over and these six things happens but there is a time when the clicker goes off And so part two for this is know the start and stop events in history. Okay? He gives it to them. The first start the timer at the command to rebuild. He gives them this. Verse 23. Know, therefore, and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince. Those are start and stop times for the countdown. Now, this is fascinating because we have records of these things. In fact, this is why, you know, I said sometimes pastors spend so much time on this. There are like four different places in scripture you can go to to examine when the start time was. I'm just going to give you the one that works. That is it. This is the one that works. And it's in Nehemiah, the book of Nehemiah, chapter 1, verses 1 to 4, and also in chapter 2, verses 1 to 8. And it says this, in Nehemiah on the first day of Nisan, 445 BC. And then it records the decree that went out to rebuild. Now, I already mentioned in another sermon that that during the Mede and the Persian Empire, these were times that God used to open back up uh, ways for the Jews, the timing for them to go back out of exile to their homeland, and they started the rebuilding efforts. And in that year that I just read, which was 440, what was it, 445 BC. I, I gotta have these glasses, I can't glance down. But that's the clicker. Click, it started right there in the 490 years, and it's recorded. So I'm gonna come back to that later because it, it, it's important that we know that day. But that's when the 499 years started. Now, stop the timer at Messiah the Prince. Because he says this, that from the going forth, of the command to restore and build Jerusalem. And then he uses the word until Messiah the Prince. And he says this, there shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks. And so he breaks up the time period into two chunks right there. The timer, the clicker starts, click to rebuild until Messiah the Prince, click. And in between those two clicks, there's two chunks that he's talking about. I haven't lost you yet, have I? Okay, stay with me. All right. So you've got stop the timer at Messiah, the Prince. So let me just talk about that for a second. That's recorded in Luke chapter 19. So you have Nehemiah talking about the first click and Luke is talking about the second click, which was when he came into Jerusalem. That's the, that's where they had the palm branches and it's the, the entry of Christ and, and, and they were shouting things about, about who he was. And as he came into that city now, just like I showed you some of the prophecies of, of other prophets that spoke about these things, Luke 19, uh, leading up to that, we can see similarities. First, the Savior sent his disciples to get a colt upon which he would ride. Why did he do that? He did it because in Zechariah 9, the prophet said, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion! Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem! Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. They prophesied that. Your, your, Your savior's coming, but he's coming on a donkey. And so you get to Luke 19, and Jesus says, go get me a donkey, right? And so he comes in on that. Second, we, we we see that the multitude of disciples they understood the meaning of the act and began to shout out the words of a well known messianic psalm in Psalm one eighteen. You probably know this, right? You've heard this. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That psalm was known to refer to the future Messiah. Blessed, and they're saying it. Jesus is coming in on that donkey, and they're they're shouting out the messianic psalm. That's a recognition. He's the Messiah. Okay? This is still Luke 19. This is going on. And, and thirdly, upon, uh, up until that time, and this is why this is unique, that Jesus would do things that were miraculous, but then he would tell his disciples, don't go tell people who I am. He kept it on the down low that he was the Messiah. He Don't tell people. Don't. But then... When he's riding in on the donkey and they're shouting out the Messianic Psalm, you're the Messiah. Some of those spiritual leaders said, hey, that's blasphemous, Jesus. You better correct him. You better tell your disciples to correct him. And do you remember what he said? He said, if they don't shout out, the rocks will cry out. Suddenly there's a change. Suddenly it's keep it on the down low to now the city's shouting it. Hey, you better correct that. No. Why? Because this is the time. This is the time that leads up to, the, to fulfilling Daniel's prophecy. Click one, time to rebuild. Click two, until Messiah the Prince. And in a lot of Christ's years, he kind of kept it on the down low until the time came. When he's going in there, that's fulfilling Daniel's prophecy. It's for fulfilling Zachariah's prophecy. It's fulfilling prophecies. But this is what Daniel's giving us. The 490 years, it's part of that. And we've got two clicks right now. Okay? Now, I put here, start the timer at the peace treaty. But before I get to that, Christ, as he rode in on that donkey, and all that happened that I described, Luke records in in Luke 19 that he looked over the city and wept. He cried because he knew something. He knew that he was fulfilling the prophecies. This, this is your time, I'm here. And he knew they didn't get it. Even though they were giving lip service to him coming in, they didn't get it. and In fact, this is what Jesus said. If you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. And he went on to say, you did not know the time of your visitation. They did not recognize his. the time of his visitation was fulfilling all these things. Now, I'm going to come back to that one again, too, because they should have known. They should have known. Now, here's what we got. Stop the timer. That's Messiah, the Prince, right? And then I've got this. There's another click, and it's the peace treaty. That's in verse 27. Then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. Remember, each one of these is a group of seven years. So one week, he says right there, you're going to make a covenant, seven-year covenant. That's the last seven years of the 490. And the last seven starts when this peace treaty is made. So I just want you to see this. Know the start and stop events. Now, part three, I'm trying to present this in ways you can understand it, right? The breakdown of the weeks. Remember, he said from the, from the decree to rebuild to Messiah. And he said, there's these two, two chunks, right? I'll read it to you again. There shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks. And so the first set is seven weeks, which equals 49 years. And those are the 49 years where they did the rebuilding. So when they go back and the decree is made, click, they go back, the seven, seven, seven weeks, which is 49 years, all the rebuilding's gonna be going on. And all that's recorded. It's, the whole book of Nehemiah is about that. But he says in here, the street shall be built again and the wall, even in troublesome times. Now, what's interesting is when you read Nehemiah, it was troubling. It was troubling to rebuild those things because there was infighting. There were leaders that rose up to challenge what was going on. There were outsiders that didn't like it, that were, that were threatening. In fact, There's a scene that epitomizes troubling times in Nehemiah where in order to get the rebuilding effort finished, they had to work like this. One hand, they've got a tool. And in the other hand, they got a sword. They had to keep swords on them because of the threat was real and close. And it's fulfilling prophecy. It's going to be rebuilt when the decree goes to rebuild. And then there's going to be. 49 years and it'll be troubling time to rebuild well we see that now it gets finished and then there's this interim period the second set uh after the the seven weeks is 62 weeks he says there's going to be seven and 62 and during the 62 weeks this comes out to 434 years it's an interim period waiting on the messiah remember he said it's click rebuild click until messiah until that luke 19 moment when the messiah was coming in right there's now there's this interim period because the rebuilding effort is over 62 weeks end when messiah is cut off look what he says now he says and after the 62 weeks messiah shall be cut off but not for himself And the people of the Prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary and the end of it shall be with a flood until the end of the war. Desolations are determined." Now he was cut off. He died on the cross. Now the question is, there's still these seven years. There's one week. And he says that week happens when this peace treaty is made. And what I want to say to you, I think my next slide shows that we, we are actually living right now in between the 69th week and the 70th week. It's in in, in um, theology, they would call this a parenthetical period. We're living in between the two parentheses because that 70, 70th week does not start until the prince who is to come makes a peace treaty that, and that has not happened, And these, these other things we see here, which is they'll destroy the city, the sanctuary. Well, if you know anything about history, if you, if you can recall, when we were talking about Daniel's prophecies about the Gentile kingdoms, you had Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great died suddenly. Four horns came to replace him. They were the four generals of Alexander. And then out of one of those came this little horn that was fierce. And in that sermon, I talked about how that little horn, he went in, it's Antiochus was his name, and he was trying to conquer the world and he got beat by the Romans. And in anguish and disgust, and he turned away from his defeat with the Romans and he went back to Jerusalem and he persecuted the Jews. I spent a whole sermon talking about that. And there were things that Daniel said that happened Like, one of them was abomination of desolation, which is also talked about here. But all that was going on, and click, Messiah came. You know what? Before he came, temple destroyed in the Maccabean Revolt. Click, Messiah came. Did you know that in the year 70 AD, after Christ died, the Romans came? And laid siege to jerusalem and destroyed it and destroyed the temple right now in israel there's one wall that remains it's called the wailing wall and people go and they worship it's the last piece of of that ancient temple and and structure but none of that fulfilled the 490 years you know why because those six things haven't happened the six things that he said will happen at the end of the 490 years have not happened and when Messiah came, click, he says, we're going to stop at the end of those 62 weeks. That was a long period of time before the Romans came and even destroyed that. So you're watching history and you're reading the Bible and you're putting these things together. Okay, right now we are living in between 69 and 70. And then I think I put at the last one is the last set. The last week is the seven years, the seven year period now. So I'm trying to break these things down, understand the breakdown of the weeks, understand the start and stop events in history. And then part four is this, is you need to understand this last week and the prince to come. Man, all through Daniel, has he not been always leading us up in his visions and dreams to this one character, the little horn, the antichrist. The, there are a lot of names that he's been given in the Bible, but he's always presenting the sequence of one world dominating Gentile kingdoms, and it always ends in this fierce, global dominating, evil empire, and its leader is this little horn, this, this, the Antichrist, and here he's called the prince that is to come. This prince that he's talking about is the prince of the last kingdom. And I just tried to put there in just simple terms in his prophecy right here in Daniel what it says that he does and recorded there's a fight with Israel. Okay, a fight with Israel. But somehow he brokers a peace with Israel. It says, then he shall confirm a covenant. That word confirm actually means to, to... force it to happen and he locks up this covenant that's one week seven years but in the middle of the week he's going to break that peace he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering on the wing of abominations shall be the one who makes desolate now this is important because i i I recalled what antiochus did because antiochus persecuted the jews And if you recall in that sermon, do you remember what he did? He went into the temple. He took down the holy things. He forced other religions upon the Jews. He says, if you don't do it, I'm going to kill you. If you don't worship our gods, we're going to kill you. But the worst thing that he did was he brought in a pig and cut it. I'm going to sacrifice a pig on the the holy altar that you have there. I'm going to take the blood. And and Antiochus covered everything that was holy in that as a way of desecrating what the Jews held sacred. And the Jews referred to that as the abomination of desolation. You made desolate, you abominated that which was sacred. Antiochus did it. But in that sermon, we talked about how it's a shadow of what the future antichrist, the real little horn is going to do. And we see it here. We see it in this passage that he makes peace. And all the different names that we've given him, right? Remember, the two princes in this passage. There's Messiah the Prince, and then there's this Prince to come, the little horn. But in one of my sermons, I I used, there's the Lion King, L-I-O-N, the Lion of Judah, and then the Lion King, L-I-E, apostrophe, N. That's the Antichrist, because here you're seeing the whopper. The whopper lie, his great deception is, I'm gonna give peace to you Jews, I'm gonna let you practice your faith. But in the middle of the seven year covenant, he breaks it and what does it say that he he ends up doing? He brings an end to the sacrifice and offering. And then again, abominations. Now, we know that actually it happened With Antiochus. But if you turn to Matthew chapter 24, you have Jesus standing there and he's talking. Even though it happened with Antiochus in the past in Jesus' day, in the future there's going to be an abomination of desolation. And he is pointing to this moment with Daniel that Daniel's talking about. Daniel in this vision. He is the last Gentile king because as we learned in some of our other sermons, remember the split screen history sermon? And what what happened at the end of that sermon was the vision Daniel was given that was King Jesus comes back and defeats that little horn. And we went to Revelation and we read about it. In Revelation, we get a very depicted detail where out of the sky comes Christ and the forces of the little horn have been gathered to stand against God and his people. But he just speaks and defeats him and he takes him and casts him into the lake of fire. You see, it's at that moment, the last Gentile kingdom, which will be global, which will be the greatest evil empire ever, as the Bible describes it, will be defeated. And then God will usher in an era of peace through King Jesus on this earth. That's why I titled this the last Gentile kingdom, because you're seeing it right here. Look what it says at the very end. Even until The consummation which is determined is poured out on the desolate, and some translators use the word desolator, another term for the little horn, the desolator, yet he will have an end. And so you're putting all these things together in this prophecy. It is Jewish. It's God's plan for the Jews and his people, but look how it lines up with all the other prophecies about the Gentile kingdoms, because God's plan with the Jews ends the last great Gentile kingdom. Now, you get to the very end and you're probably going, well, what does all this have to do with us today? How, what, what's the application to the Christians in the church? And I always try to have some thoughts for you. I try not to have the same ones every week. So here are my application thoughts for you today. Number one is this. With an eye on scripture, it strengthens our faith in God. I don't know about you, but when I'm looking at what is being said and I, and I'm seeing it, uh, unfold, it motivates me to, to, to strengthens my faith in who God is and what he says in his word. How many times has he said something and it came true? Over and over again, it makes me go, Well, whatever he has said that hasn't happened, we better pay attention to that. And it puts a a, a greater faith. I get into God's word. I see it happening. It makes me, I want to go into Daniel's prophecy and unpack it and read and study. It motivates me in my faith. Now, I wanted, I told you I was going to circle back to how we've worked out these 490 years. Now, you've heard, you've probably heard of Sherlock Holmes, right? Sherlock Holmes the great investigator who pays attention to details and figures things out. Well, I'm going to tell you about another English detective, Scotland Yard guy. His name is Sir Robert Anderson, and he is the guy credited with figuring out the 490-year equation so he's born in 1841 just to give you a point of reference but his most famous book is called the coming prince which in that book he detailed all of these prophetic things and the math that went into it anderson received a law degree from trinity college in dublin ireland in 1875 and began practice as an attorney his skills as a criminal investigator were noted and he was called to london to assist with police investigations, ultimately with Scotland Yard. Now his work was so recognized that upon his retirement in 1901, he was knighted for his service to England. But in 1860, this is the most important point about him, he put his faith in Christ and began using his investigative talents to research biblical subjects, writing more than 20 books. It was his tenacious, investigative skills that allowed him to solve the complicated chronology of Daniel's 70 weeks.